All right, we are continuing our series of top 10 at each position. Today, we're going through the left field position, a really stacked position, a really deep position as well. So let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into it. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside James as always. And today we're continuing our position breakdowns. It's kind of odd to think we're almost done with this thing. We started, I guess, what, seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago at this point. But James, how are you doing left fielders? Doing good. Uh, pretty top heavy, but I don't know. It's, it's a solid position again. Uh, controversial one, too, I think. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. It's a really deep one, too, because I'm looking at both of our lists and we have different guys towards the bottom. But it's also not the position where we're going to get into heated arguments, because I think there's that six through probably 12 to 13 that all of them have really solid cases. And it's just a matter of picking which ones you like. Slash, remember that we're doing projections for 2023. So even if they don't have the best 2022 statistics, you might have a reason for why you think they're at the top. We will also note that we got had some guys who were DH heavy. Giancarlo Stanton, Eloy Jimenez, and J.D. Martinez were not considered for this list because it would be hard to rank them as DHs who also have their primary position at left field. However, there is a guy like Jordan Alvarez who is slated to play left field that we both had very high on our list. James, I'll let you kick it off with your 10-1. to 1. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, for me, number one, I had to go with Jordan Alvarez this year. Yes. You can make the argument his defense is not good. Who cares? The dude hit 300. He hit 30-plus homers, drove in 100-plus runs. Um, the dude flat-out rakes. He won the Astros of the World Series. He was incredible all postseason long. Um, he has to be number one. Sorry, after that, I'll go Soto, Schwarber, Quan, Peterson, Ian Happ, Randy Rosarena, Dalton Varsho, Michael Brantley, and Christian Yelich. And for mine, I'll do a similar list. I had Juan Soto at number one, just because when you look at Soto, he's still extremely young and probably one of the top five players in baseball. Alvarez, as you mentioned, is probably the better pure hitter, but he also is horrific on defense. Soto, not great defensively, but at the same time, is still a solid player out there. Plus, if we're also looking at this more towards a projection towards 2023, I can't count out the fact that Juan Soto could hit 40 homers, drive in 120 runs in his sleep, and be an elite baseball player. Who knows how much it affected him, all the trade rumors that he was with the Nationals, which is why he had a quote-unquote down season, which was still an MVP consideration, but for Soto, it was a down season. I just think Soto, a really young player, but again, this is those positions. Soto, Alvarez, I think there's a problem if you don't have those two one and two. But at the same time, I think you could flip them interchangeably. And as we can tell from our poll that we had on the side retired Instagram, we asked our fans which one should be number one. Juan Soto finished with 55% and Jordan Alvarez at 45%. So really goes to show you that either of those two could clearly be the number one. After that, I had Schwarber, Stephen Kwan, Chris Bryant at number five, Ian Happ at six, Jock Peterson at seven, Arosa Reina eight. Yelich nine and Mark Canna at number 10. Let's dive into those two guys at three and four, James, which are Schwarber and Quan. And we both had them at three and four. They're really unique and different players. Schwarber rakes, hits a lot of bombs, and Stephen Quan just doesn't strike out. What did you see about those two guys that made them a clear three, four? 
Yeah, I mean, they are complete opposite players. I mean, you could not find two players that play the same position two totally different ways for a National League home run champ. Um, you know, a below-average defender with a great arm. Stephen Kwan now on the flip side, a contact hitter, a slap guy. Uh, maybe will leave the yard five times for you in one season. Um, but he's going to hit 300, and he's going to play – Awesome defense in left field. Um, not the best arm, but um, but yeah, I think Schwarber's power this past season um, just overrules Quan's. I mean, just overall great play in left. Um, so that's why I had Schwarber at three and Quan at four. And Schwarber also rakes in that small bar ballpark in Philadelphia. He's going to have more weapons around him in that order, including Trey Turner. Makes a lot of sense to have those guys as your secondary tier of players two guys i want to jump into who probably towards the bottom of the list in fact though i had him at number five and i'll get to him in a second chris bryant and christian yelich both had down seasons in 2022 yelich is slumped now for three years i think at this point how did you consider yelich and bryant when trying to make your list yelich at number 10 and bryant probably just missed um so yelich i mean you still want you know you you look back at that 2020 2019 uh, 2018 run like him and Bellinger were having um, and you still really want to put him high on your list um, but yeah I just couldn't put him above 10 on my on my list um, you know he's not as great of a runner as he used to be um, the exit velocity is still there but that launch angle and the power numbers just haven't been there since 2019 um, you know I think he's he's in a good Brewers lineup a solid team so I had to I had to have him on my list. I'm like, well, I don't think I had Bryant on my list, right? Yeah, I did not have Chris Bryant on my list. Um, and only because I I just I can't wrap my head around the Rockies, man. They're, they're just a non-competitive team. There's nobody else in that lineup. Um, and and Bryant's just missed a lot of time. Uh, I feel like you know there's really no reason for him to want to be out there because the Rockies are so bad. So, um. Bryant didn't make my list, but I, I just felt like Yelich had to be included because the potential for him to return to that 2019 form is always there, in my opinion. And then we'll also read out Jack Stappenbeck's list, our third co-host who isn't with us today. He had Soto, Alvarez, Quan, Schwarber, Taylor Ward, Rosarena, Hap, Bryant, O'Neill, and Varsho. So he didn't include Yelich. He had Bryant as that happy medium between us at number eight. My ruling with Bryant, I had him five, and maybe that's a little bit too high, but I also still believe Unlike Yelich, where I think we have to come to that conclusion, that MVP player that you were just talking about is gone, and it's probably not attainable, and maybe Yelich now becomes comfortable in the 7 through 10 range, which is still a really solid baseball player. The only thing is with Chris Bryant, I'm not ready to admit that the what was once the 2016 MVP is completely gone. Last year and the past couple of seasons, he has not been healthy. That is admittedly so. He's not played over 150 games since 2017. He came close in 19 and 21, but he missed half the COVID shortened season. And last year was his worst of all playing in 42 games. However, he still hit over 300 when he was playing last year, had an 850 OPS. You could argue that's the Coors Field effect. However, he's going to be playing his games at Coors Field. And when you're looking at a top 10 player list, I don't think we have to factor in the Coors Field. We're just looking at Who's the best player numbers-wise? So when you look at Chris Bryant, the problem with him, like we've had with other positions with a guy like Carlos Correa, is going to be the injury and the health concerns. I think if Bryant has another season where he only plays 40, 50 games this year, then it's fully okay to knock him off the list. But for now, I think he's still a step below 
those elite guys of Soto, Alvarez, Schwarber, and Kwan. But at the same time, Chris Bryant is the type of player that you trust to be a really solid big leader down the line if he can actually stay healthy. Then there is that sort of middle section that you mentioned. Jock Peterson's your five, Hap is your six, and Rosarena is your seven. How did you differentiate between those guys? They're similar ilk in that Hap did win a gold glove. Jock Peterson has the power, and Rosarena is all around a solid player. So these are really solid baseball players, the three of them combined. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Jock Peterson making his second All-Star game last year. Um, he's a little bit underrated in the outfield. He's he's a solid defender. He's manageable um, out there. He has a great arm. Um, but I think the biggest thing for Peterson this past season was that he was finally um, able to get that batting average up. You know, he hit finish with a two seventy four batting average. His on-base percentage was all the way up to three fifty three, And he finished with an eight seventy four OPS and a one forty four OPS plus. Um, and that's elite for uh, even the even the left field position. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think he was clearly uh, the fifth best outfielder in this class, uh, based off of his stats last year and how I project him for this upcoming season. Hap, on the other hand, also you know, finally became that player that everyone always kind of talked to him um, as being. You know what I mean? People always said, "Oh, you know, he's a big trade piece. Oh, he's he could be a big time piece for the Cubs." Uh, and this season, he finally kind of proved it. You know. Um, again, another solid 119 OPS plus season, almost had an OPS above 800. And obviously that gold glove um, is huge. And uh, uh, he was also an all-star with Peterson. And then finally, Randy Rosarena. Um, you know, people always remember that 2020 uh, postseason run, and they always they look at him and they're like, oh, well, he's never returned to that form. I, I don't think a lot of guy, people realize that that was just so incredible and just so special in its own right. You know, you know what I mean? He's been a consistent 135 OPS plus player. Um, all three of his full big league seasons, that's not including the 2020 shortened season. Um, you know, he plays excellent defense. He won rookie of the year in 2021. Um, I think he's solidified himself uh, as a top 10 uh, left fielder um, just with his overall consistency uh, since he's had his career with the Rays. I think of the three guys that you just mentioned and did a great breakdown of the one I want to focus on is Ian Happ and Anthony Rizzo's gone. Chris Bryant's gone. Kyle Schorber's gone. Wilson Contreras emotionally left last season, which means that Cubs core that won the World Series is now officially no longer in Chicago, which means they need their next superstar. And I'm here to think that that's going to be Ian Happ. He's hit 27 home or 25 home runs once in his career. That was in 2021. I think we see a 30 home run plus season out of Ian Happ in 2023. He's going to be one of the main reasons I've been big on the Chicago Cubs for the 2023 season. He's going to be the leader. He's going to be hitting third in that order. He won the gold glove, as we just mentioned, for left fielders last season. Ian Happ is finally putting together, might I add, in a contract season. Who knows? He's going to want to get paid next offseason. He's going to make a lot of sense in Chicago as that superstar. Maybe he's the one that they let go of everyone else in order for half to be the one that gets the mega extension after 2023. But I really think this is the season Ian Happ puts it all together. The bat, the glove, the leadership. He's now the face of the Chicago Cubs with everyone else gone. This is your building block. Him and Dansby Swanson, who is also in our top 10 shortstops list, Ian Happ fits in perfectly both of us had him as our number six left fielder i think it's a perfect place for him with the potential to jump into that schwarber and kwan conversation with an elite season like we're projecting him to have another interesting guy you had on your list towards the bottom that's dalton varsho 
and Michael Brantley, two polar opposites. Varsho is known for his health. Michael Brantley is coming off of massive surgery. Varsho, young, Brantley, old. Thoughts on putting those two guys back to back? Yeah, so Dalton Varsho um, is honestly one of the most interesting players in baseball. Uh, you know, he also plays catcher. Um, you know, he doesn't run well, um, but he somehow led the league in um, making five. What oh, I forget what what uh, Fangraphs calls them. I think they're called Gold Glove catches. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all five of them, he didn't have to leave his feet for because he's in the 99th percentile in first step um, and outfield route route outfield route efficiency. He's in the 99th percentile. Um, the dude's just a beast in the outfield. Um, he can track down every ball. Um, he seemingly makes every play look easy and effortless. I mean, he's never diving. He's never, you know, stressed out. You know, he's always camped under the fly ball. Um, and it's really impressive. You know, he's not a great hitter. Uh, 235 average last year. You know, had a couple seasons with an OPS plus just over 100. So he's a, he's a league average hitter. Um, but his defense and his versatility, um, his ability to play really any outfield position at a high level, um, brings him so much value. And I think he'll he'll be a great fit to the Blue Jays, especially with their new park this year that seems to have some interesting dimensions out there um, and, and will be tricky for outfielders to navigate. Um, and then Michael Brantley. I mean, I, I think we should just call him Mr. 300. Um, you know, he's going to hit 300 every year. He's going to hit about 15 homers. Um, he seemingly comes up with a guy at runner in scoring position every time and slaps an opposite field single right over your shortstop's head uh, to, to score him. Um, I mean, the dude's just one of the, one of the few pure – left-handed bats left in baseball. Um, and even though he hasn't played in about, I think, over a year, um, he still has to be top 10 in your list because you know he's going to come back hitting 300. That's just what he does. And then the last guy that was on both of our lists, I had Marky Cheerios. Mark Canna, he's dubbed that nickname by our guy, James Shiano, who came on the podcast before because Mark Canna, nothing sexy about him. He's not going to be a really great name that everyone's going to say that's a flashy player, that's a Juan Soto type. But instead... You go into similar to Michael Brantley, you go into the season knowing exactly what you're going to get. Solid defensively, an OPS plus of around 120. He's going to have an OPS around 800. He's going to hit around 260. He's going to be your stereotypical really solid player. The only question that we had about Mark or at least that I had, was going to be playing time, especially if Carlos Correa had come to the Mets. Then Beatty takes time in left field taking at-bats from Canna, but there is no more Carlos Correa in New York, sadly, which means that Mark Canna is officially penciled in as the everyday left fielder. Give him 140 games of 120 OPS+. plus. That sounds like a top 10 outfielder, or top 10 left fielder, excuse me, at least in my mind. We are going to conclude quickly with the famous segment that we're starting, rake or shake. James, you know the drill. If you believe with the take, you're going to say that you're absolutely raking. Or if it sucks, you can say that you take. Sounds all good to you. The first one we have from our guy, Jack Stappenback. Tyler O'Neill is a top 10 left fielder. Man, I remember when we ranked him, I think, number two or number three on our list last year. Um, And, man, (laughs) did he have a disappointing season in 2022. Um, I'll say right, though. I think he has an opportunity to be number – it's just he, he has the opportunity to be number one. Like, we saw that talent in 2021. Um, but he also has the, the the ability to to be number thirty seven because he got sent down to the minor leagues last year. <laughs> so um, I'll say Rake just because the possibility is really there for him to be number one. 
How about a guy like Taylor Ward, who was amazing in April and May, made the All-Star game, was horrific June through August, and then came back and hit 320 in September? I'll say Rake again. Um, Yeah, I'll say Rake again. Um, I mean, the dude looked like he was a top four outfielder for the first two months of the season. He looked like he was going to be in the MVP race. Uh, Obviously, he slowed down. Um, But I think with some offseason adjustments and, you know, a a really solid all-star season under his belt, uh, he could definitely be in the top 10 again next season. What was your thoughts on a guy, and we did have him in the player pool, none of us put him in our top 10, and probably deservedly so, Joey Gallo. What to do with him? Um, It's tough. Um, You know, I think the shift ban will help him out a ton. Um, Obviously, there's no questions about the defense in the arm. He's incredible. He's maybe top three in left field overall for defense. I, I would say number one. I don't think I'm missing anybody that plays really good defense in left field. Maybe Quan uh, mm-hmm. would rival him. Um, but it's just going to be come down to the strikeouts. Uh, if he still strikes out on a high clip, it won't even matter. Uh, but let, let's see if now that he can he can use his full pull side swing, uh, if, if those offensive numbers tick up a little bit this season. And we had Twins expert Nash Walker on a couple of weeks ago. And the thing was that Nash really didn't see him. And James, you were on that interview too, and you could echo this. He didn't seem that enthralled or excited with Joey Gallo being the Twins' everyday left fielder. And if Nash had come on and said, like, yeah, you know, 40 homers, great defense, trusting in Joey Gallo, I think both of us would have had a little more confidence in Gallo. However, if a guy who's paid to talk and hype up the Twins is saying, I don't know about this one, I feel like that's the type of guy that maybe we should also put a little red flag and say maybe the Joey Gallo experiment isn't going to go as well as people might hope it will. Yeah, but this is going to sound crazy, but, you know... um. You know, I will relate this to me a little bit. Um, I also hit left-handed, and and I am a pull pull ball kind of guy, um, and I get shifted and stuff. And it is, I would be lying if I say I don't try and change my swing to not hit the ball into the shift. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there, I do have two very different swings and approaches depending on where the defense is aligned, um, and I do feel much more comfortable when there aren't three guys on the right side of second base. Um, cause, cause you do feel like you can't hit the ball that way because it doesn't matter if you hit it a hundred, hundred plus miles an hour, there's there, you're going to hit it into a guy that's standing there. So, um, I, I, <laughs> I know we traded Gallo. I know I said, I hate Gallo. I want nothing <laughs> to do with Gallo, but I, I don't want to give up on him. I don't want to, I don't want to throw in the towel on Gallo yet. I want to give him, I will give him one month. Mm-hmm. If, if, if after April, he's still hitting sub 200, he's below the Mendoza line. He's done. He's over. I'm out. But if yeah. there's, if he's hitting better than that, I'm all in. I'm fully back on the Joey Gallo train. I like it. And then obviously left field, as we just said, is a really deep position. I'm just going to throw out a list of like six or seven names that we haven't even mentioned that at most other positions probably get serious consideration. That's a guy like Andrew Benintendi, AJ Pollock, Austin Hayes, Masataka Yoshida just got $100 million, Adam Duvall, Oswaldo Cabrera, Austin Meadows, Marcelo Zuna, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. There's a lot of really solid names. Aaron Hicks, eh, maybe just going through all the names that we have on here. Is there any name, and maybe it's a guy that we've already gone in depth and your answer is pretty simple, or it's one of those that you think isn't top 10 on our list right now, 
But if you were to bet on someone in the future, we did a similar bet last year where we both said Jared Kelnick, and that turned out awful. So here's our mulligan. Do you have a guy that you think could all of a sudden be a top 10 left fielder next year that we didn't have on our list this year? Yeah, I think Andrew Benatendi is a really easy pick. Um, he would be top 10 if he didn't miss the last two months of the season mysteriously. Uh, for the Yankees, he just went MIA. Um but yeah, I think he's a really good left fielder. Um, you know, and he obviously had those great numbers in Kansas City. Didn't really translate over in New York. Uh, it's a story for another day. Um, but yeah, I think Ben Attendee's easily a top ten left field guy. He plays fantastic defense, and if he hits three hundred, there's no question about it. He's very similar to Michael Brantley. Mm-hmm. Hear me out on this one, and this is a guy that has not hit a home run since June of 2021, despite playing in over 100 games in that time period. And I'm, of course, talking about the former first-round draft pick of the New York Mets, Dominic Smith. Drafted 11th overall in 2013. Smith has been in and out of a platoon with the Mets, playing left field for them, even though he's a pretty much a designated first baseman. He's only played in platoon, in platoon situations, DHing with J.D. Davis. That didn't work out. He was relegated to AAA and never heard from again and naturally DFA'd by the Mets this offseason. He's now with the Washington Nationals, which is going to be a no-pressure situation. He's going to be their everyday first baseman. Joey Manessis goes to DH. And the only time in Dom's career where he played a full season with regular at-bats was in 2020, where he finished in the top, where he finished in the top 15 in MVP, and he led the league in OPS. Dominic Smith, two years ago, led the league in OPS. Let that sink in that he was hitting 993. Or maybe he was also led in slugging 616. Dom Smith was elite in the COVID season. I think now that he's going to Washington where there's no pressure, he's going to go there. They're going to win maybe 60 games at most, 65 games. Who knows? It's a one-year deal. He could be traded to a contender at the midseason. So just like last year I made the prediction and failed that Jared Kelnick was going to break out using my mulligan and this year saying that Dominic Smith is going to break out free from the New York Mets. You know he's good for at least two to three big home runs against the Mets playing in their division this year. So I feel like Dominic Smith would be a nice feel-good story for him. Rebound in D.C., no pressure, solid Dom. The potential is there, just as we mentioned with guys like Chris Bryant, Christian Yelich, to a lesser extent, Dominic Smith. All righty. We didn't mention Darren Ruff either. I think Frank the Tank is happy with that one, that we didn't mention Darren Ruff in our top 10 left fielders. But... Anyways, we will be back next week doing our top 10 center fielders. If you want to send us your list there, make sure to do so. We'll release, we'll release the player pool in the upcoming days as well as a couple of exciting interviews. We've got minor leaguers. We've got scouts. We've got people in front offices and plenty of things coming at you in the future. So, James, unless there's anything else you want to throw in. Shaking, nodding. Head. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I think we covered all all the left field. It is a deep position, so I think we I think I think we did touch touch on everybody. Sounds great. So until the next time, James and I will be back, and the side is retired. <laughs>